0: Welcome to the Hyper Voice. I am your host, Steven Morioka, and today I am joined by Alex Underhill.
1: Alola, Stephen.
0: We are also joined, all the way from Spain, Alex Gomez.
2: Hello, guys. It's a pleasure to be here with you.
0: Oh, please. It is an absolute pleasure to have you on here. Um, so, this is a show about Pokemon's video game championship series, also known as VGC for short. First off, some housekeeping to take care of. This is the first time we have two Alexes on the show, <laughs> so to prevent any confusion from here on out, from my end at least, I'm going to refer to you guys by your, you know, typical online usernames or handles. So Alex Gomez, I'm going to go refer to you as Pokey Alex, right. and Alex Underhill is going to be Lexicon. So uh, just to prevent any confusion for listeners and myself, mostly, but... <laughs>
1: <laughs> makes sense, makes sense.
0: Yes, it does make sense. But uh, today we're going to talk about a lot about a lot of different European events that have happened, events that are upcoming, and just uh, things in general. We have one of a, an expert on the European circuit, as he participate participates in it uh, mostly and very much in Alec- in uh Poke Alex. But we've been about half a year, six months away from the Europe International, which was the first one we ever had. In general, and during this season, um, Poke Alex, I just kind of want to ask you about, you know, your general opinion. You know, kind of looking back now, how you we how you felt about the international being so early, and you know, kind of just what the opinion is of it now uh, as we stand.
2: Yeah. So while I didn't really agree that much with the, the day, I think we could reflect that the strongest players were the ones who. Dominated that event, I think. But I think the date was definitely incorrect. I, I think the event should have happened during this month, I think. I think it would have been definitely more appropriate since we, we would have got a uh, more established Metagreen. But yeah, um, I wish we actually had got it. But yeah, we didn't. Uh, that was kind of uh, unfortunate, but yeah. That was their message. Yeah,
1: yeah, go, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say, uh, I think it is a big impact having it so early just because uh, it's just changed the rest of the season for you guys. Like a lot of people had given up on traveling, and the uh, other thing was it affected who got onto the CP train or the snowball, as a lot of people refer to it. Yeah, exactly. And so uh, having a tournament so important that early in the season was probably really hurtful
2: uh, for you guys. Yeah, it definitely was. Since a lot of people actually dropped the season since, well, not a lot, but hmm, there was a there was a huge amount of people actually who dropped the season because they did uh, badly in, in the tournament. So yeah, that's kind of unfortunate. I don't think this was this would have happened if the if the event was held during these dates. But yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, makes a lot of sense. I, I perfectly, pref- I, w- I mean, I would prefer all the major internationals to be held later in the year, you know, specifically right around this time of year in the summer or end of the spring. Yeah. But I feel like one of the biggest issues that TPCI wanted to introduce was the, this uh, travel award system to each international in the four different rating zones. And if you think about it, you kind of need the time between events, you know, at least a two months or a month to, you know, kind of get results from that event to lock up and have other events happen. Uh, Say, for example, we had the one-month break between Australia and Latin America, those two internationals. If all the internationals are held at the end of the year, you know, they can't go through with that system. So I feel like that was the change they made for that. Uh, Europe really got just the worst, the worst end of the deal there. Yeah, agreed. So... It is unfortunate um that's for sure i want I, I I am just really curious what what next year holds for this, whether the uh system will be similar will the events be pushed back a little bit farther um yeah, I'm not too sure. I hope
2: they follow the system you were actually ta- talking about just one year break uh, sorry one year break <laughs> one month break for <laughs> for every international I think that should be correct, and starting. Yeah, in April, May. Well, actually, March, April, May, and June. Well, June, July. <laughs> <laughs> so compared to past years, where
1: in Europe you had multiple nationals, and now you have a single national, despite the uh, timing being uh, obviously not the best. Uh, do you would you rather have this singular international, or do you miss having multiple nationals to attend?
2: Well, being Europe. I actually miss the, the Nationals, but I really like the change implemented in this season. I really like the Internationals since they are like uh, a smallish walls I would say. So, and that's really cool in my opinion since I think every tournament had players from every side of the world, which is really cool in my opinion. Well, every Internats, I mean. Yeah, yeah, that's not something you get to see all year round, but
1: with the introduction of internationals, it's making it so that with these major tournaments, you can experience players from all over. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, I think one of the coolest things about it is, I think both Europe and Australia had Japanese players show up to those things, and I don't know if that has ever happened in the past, before this year. I don't think so. Yeah, so that's that's just a really cool uh, thing to notice and just point out that what what the internationals, Potentially can bring, um, bring in other players from everywhere else. And then, you know, hopefully we're looking forward to brighter things in the future for this system. And I like how the point you brought up about having, you know, the internationals maybe a little less spread out apart, one month apart, which allows us to have still that travel awards, travel award and stipend system, but also keep the events closer to the end of the year. Where people can still build up to this big event to play in, to earn championship points in, and people don't have to, you know, say give up uh, halfway through the season after the event's over. Yeah, exactly. But that's great to hear. And uh, I, I remember you guys always used to have a bunch of nationals spread out throughout your country. Mm-hmm. So kind of, I'm kind of surprised you like you like this change. Uh, I'm wondering why. How can we like the international? You know, versus. Having the multiple ones to earn multiple points at if the BFL is high enough.
2: Yes, yeah, I said earlier one of the things which I like the most from internationals is, is the thing is that you can meet a lot of players from the other side of the world, and I really like that. It's I think it's a brilliant a brilliant experience. Yeah, um, that's it to be honest. Uh, I mean. The structure from nationals and internationals is pretty much the the same. It only changed that in Europe you only have one international and compared, compared to the past years you had three nationals so but yeah we we followed the same structure like we had well we didn't have data switch that's that should be the most relevant change to the structure mm,
1: yeah yeah. That is a good uh, change that internationals brought compared to nationals of past years. It's not just a singular cut. you got to make it to that day two and play again. Um, And, you know, everyone likes to play more Pokemon, especially the high-level stuff where you're playing against all the players who made it through that large tournament of day one and makes uh, day two, like you said, uh, the people attending the tournament feel a lot like Worlds and, you know, the structure makes it feel like Worlds too, which I think is really cool.
0: I completely forgot about that change that you guys did not have day two Swiss last year. Yeah. Even. Wow.
1: <laughs> cool. Yeah. You're just a stuck up American, Steven.
0: I know. We're all so nice and dandy over here with our <laughs> lovely events. Uh, you know, speaking of those events, you know, we'll get to something, uh, topic related to that later about us always having some sort of advantage in that regard, but in, s- Speaking of timing, you know with the Europe International, we're going to move on to another issue of timing and maybe maybe the opinion's a little different here from Alex's end, but we talked about this recently, this happened recently that the CP bars were lowered in different rating zones and Europe's for you guys specifically, was lowered from 500 to 400 and just general opinion, what did you think?
2: Yeah, I definitely think this was a needed change but I think it was kinda late. Well, some players could actually adjust to that change. Um, there were others which couldn't. They actually tried, but yeah, it was way too late. I wish that they actually made that change after London. I think that would have, yeah, that would have been great. I think because m- most of the players who actually dropped the season, I think. They wouldn't have dropped since they could have thought that they, they still had a chance but since they dropped um the chances were pretty low and yeah for for most of them it's actually over for some of them they actually they could actually reach the the bar the bar for the walls invite and some others are are still trying to get it but yeah i wish they actually Uh, change it back back in December or January. I think that would have been cool. But yeah, we didn't didn't get it earlier. It's better now than never. So, yeah. Uh, I wanted to ask you about a
1: situation, like a hypothetical kind of situation, Alex. But um, if they had maybe kept the bar at 500 from the beginning, but the international was, you know, towards the end, like here in the spring or in the summer... Do you think that could have fixed the uh, situation in Europe, you know, drive people to get more CP throughout the season and finish with that big tournament? Or do you think that, in general, with the lack of events in Europe, you needed that 400
2: bar? I think we needed that bar, yeah. You think,
1: yeah, just because this year there aren't as many events? Yeah, exactly. Alright, that makes sense, yeah. Um, it's surprising. I look- know that, compared to, la- compared to last year, you guys had significantly less events.
0: Yeah, you know, especially with the um, with the three nationals merging into the one international, you know, bunch of events disappearing from there, and I'm imagining that your, uh, the smaller local level events also decreased a bit is what I'm getting from this uh, conversation here. Mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, I guess the seeing the CP bar change looks very good for those players who are still invested into the season to try and make that uh, 400 championship point bar for Europe and I guess for others who had uh, hung up the towel a little early they it was still insurmountable odds given um, the timing of this the timing of the season really and just how everything was structured this year
2: yeah
0: but glad to hear that you uh, actually like the CP bar change I mean I don't think anyone can really argue with um, the bar being lowered for any of their regions uh, I I would always I just really uh would be very interesting to see if they had uh, raised raised it for anywhere. Yeah, like that would be some crazy uproar for a lot of people.
2: Yeah, <laughs> that
1: is an interesting concept. If they just decided that you know uh, those people that had already earned world's invites, I, I just don't think they could do it. That would be too much of an outrage of the Pokemon community. <laughs> people that had earned invites, getting them taken away from them. I don't think anything like that has ever happened. But you oh have to my tell gosh, Stephen.
0: Oh, I know. That's just that. Would that would be even worse? Like, yeah, <laughs> forget, we have we have a we have uproar and outrage over way smaller things, and then if you had something major like that happen, yeah, I was uh, I was just thinking of a hypothetical situation, but that would have been terrible, absolutely terrible. Yeah,
2: do you guys think uh, this fact you actually mentioned could ever happen?
0: Uh, uh no, I don't. Well, well, I. I was thinking they could have done that, but they never would have. They never would have done that. You know, setting those initial values and levels to uh, qualify for, and then all of a sudden raising them at the end of the season, saying, Oh, by the way, you got those people who are qualified, you actually aren't yet if you haven't reached this level. <laughs> that would not go over well in any area in any age division. Yeah.
1: Yeah, really. Funny to think about though. Um, but. Yeah, I don't know. Is there any other uh, thoughts that you have about the CP bar changing, Alex? Or
2: not really that that was one that was mostly yeah. All
1: right. Well, then I guess we can talk about the uh, major event that happened over the weekend. We uh, didn't have any regionals anywhere uh, that I know of, at least, and so, but we did have a special event, which is kind of like a regional. It's one step below it, but still above that of a uh, mid season showdown. Yeah, it rewards one hundred and thirty CP for first. Uh, right,
0: fits into that BFL too,
1: and it fits in the regional BFL, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, in Milan, there was a special event, and uh, they actually got uh, 103 masters, so a very strong turnout for an event that's uh, you know, worth less than a regional, but still got you know a regional size attendance, and so I think that's really cool. Yeah. And uh, you didn't, uh, you attended but did not play. You chose to commentate. Uh, How was the event?
2: It was a really cool event. There were a lot of strong players. Um, There were some which couldn't actually make it to the top card. There were some which uh, bubbled due due to their resistance. But It was definitely a really interesting tournament. Um, We actually saw a lot of um, different teams. There were some teams which actually were the same and were featured in Top Cut. There were some which actually were featured in the Top16, which were actually the same. So it was definitely a really interesting tournament. And yeah, I actually really enjoyed commentating for my first time ever. And yeah, um, well... You know, maybe go into a little bit more about
1: commentary. You know, uh, was it hard? Was it, uh, fun? I don't know. What,
2: what, uh, did you feel about the commentary? It was difficult and fun at the same time. It was difficult mainly because English is not my native language, but other than that, it was a lot of fun and I really enjoyed it. And I would love to do it again in the future. I didn't
1: get to catch any of it yet because I was uh, attending a tournament over the weekend too. But did you uh,
2: do solo commentary or did you have partners? No, I had a partner. Uh, he's Joshua Schmidt. I don't know if okay. I don't know if you actually know him, but uh, he actually played back in the day in Pokemon, and he was actually really strong. Uh, and he actually played this year and got top eight in Leipzig regionals which was early, earlier in the season. But yeah, he just, he barely plays Pokemon. Like, when he actually plays, is because there is an event in Germany, and he attends it, and he wants to have fun. But yeah, that's mostly it. He doesn't play Pokemon anymore, because he's a really, well, he, he still plays, but he's a really talented player on Yu-Gi-Oh!, he actually is first in Europe, and he's, he's really likely. Oh, wow. Yeah, he's really likely to qualify for walls, So that's that's really
1: cool. That's actually yeah, that's really cool that he uh, is you know very skilled in multiple games. Um,
0: yeah, it'd be it would be hard for him to uh, split his resources with which games he's playing. But I wanted to ask you. Um, what was the choice in doing comment? You know, why did you choose commentary over playing for this specific event? And how long ago did you know before uh, doing this?
2: Okay, so they actually offered me to commentate the event, and I think that was a great opportunity to do it since I didn't need the championship points anymore because I'm basically locked for my day to walls pay trip. So yeah, I thought. It would, I thought it would be a great uh, opportunity, and I think it actually was. And I'm really happy I actually commentated.
0: Glad to hear.
1: Uh, so what I wanted to ask is, uh, which role did you do? Were you doing, uh, color commentary or play by play? Do you, uh, yeah, which one? Kind of both, actually. <laughs> uh, both? Okay, okay. I know when I, when i like, commentated before i never know which one to like do and so i just end up it's like talking about what i see and then uh it's it just ends up being a mess and so uh yeah i know that like when you get to the more serious levels uh that's what it ends up uh being
2: mm-hmm.
1: um but in terms of the pokemon played uh the top eight is posted on trainer tower so if anybody wanted to go check that out they could uh, Eric Rios ended up winning the tournament uh, undefeated in sets. So, really strong performance from a uh, really strong player. And we saw a lot of the, uh, Impressive, the, the team that we've been seeing around. Uh, the fake PG team, we've been seeing a lot of, uh, of Tapu Koko, Feeny, Kartana, uh, Arcanine, Porygon2, and Gigalith. We saw at least three instances of it in the cut, and I think Alex had said there was even more of it in the top 16 and such.
2: Um no Together though. What's that? There was no Together in that fake PC version. I... Oh, man, I am very sad. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm sorry, Alex.
2: <laughs> Lexi alright. yeah.
0: Everyone switched to Coco. There's, I think there's a general preference for it, mainly because it's easier to play than Together tomorrow. I think.
1: Yeah. You know what's interesting to think is, uh, I'm normally not one of those, uh, players like, uh, that really praises Japan for their strategies, but I'm a big fan of Togetomaru and they are really, uh, they're using Togetomaru a lot this season as well, Yes, and so it's kind of funny to think that uh, those are the players who are advocates for Togetomaru and I am as well, so uh, I could be seen as a uh, Japanese player, or not Japanese player, but a, a Japanese praising player for this season, just because I'm so much of a fan of Togedomaru. <laughs> 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 but that uh, that core is quickly changing to uh, have Coco over Togedomaru. I don't know what the new name would have to be, considering that Togedomaru is definitely the uh, smaller choice over Koko. But uh, I still think of it as fake PG, just because it's easier to say it that way. It's just really easy to refer to the team. Okay. Um, but we did see in uh, the top eight, there was a uh, DQ, which is kind of interesting. Um, Alex, do you mind telling us what happened with that story? Since I think you do know what happened. Yeah.
2: Basically what happened, the guy uh, failed the hack check since it couldn't connect to the to the battle spot. And yeah, uh, David Carrere had four more EVs than he should have had. And yeah. The judges, pr- the judges, preset to disqualify him, and yeah, he he was pre- he was playing really well. He actually went six one uh, throughout Swiss, so he was playing extremely well. He was actually featured in the round six. He played against a guy who actually bubble. And yeah it was it was actually a really good set he he played really well he was actually behind most of the set and in both games actually and he actually managed to come back playing extremely well so it was kinda sad to to see him getting disqualified but yeah that's what you get for not checking your Pokemon
0: yeah. The judges had to, the judges made the right decision there. Uh just kinda curious who who was the bene, who got who get the benefit here oh, of it was, receiving a buy from them? Yeah,
2: it was David Gutesh.
0: Oh, okay, very nice then.
2: Yeah. Uh
1: so the other thing that uh we haven't mentioned in this uh top cut is we're back to having one hundred percent Arcanine in the top eight finish here, so uh back to Arcanine being on every single team.
2: <laughs> yes.
1: Uh, are you guys surprised about it? Uh, I am not surprised.
0: Uh, yeah, with these small sample cells, I'm not either. <laughs> yeah,
1: same. It, it should be that way, in my opinion, you know. Yeah, but, I agree. Uh, I think that in this meta, if we didn't have Arcanine, Pokemon like Kartana and Celestila would just run wild. Yeah, they, they
2: would be much
1: better, actually. Steven and I talked about this in the beginning. We're so limited on our Electric and Fire types, like you pretty much always see Coco and Arcanine, and then very often you see the two of them together. Uh, and that's just because you need to be able to deal with things like Celesteela or be uh, out-speeding or uh, out-damaging Kartana. And so uh, this just having those checks to the uh, two dominant Ultra Beasts or two dominant uh, Steel-type Ultra Beasts, yeah. that is, uh, it's very important to have. And so I think that's why you're just going to see uh, Arcanine on every single team. Yeah,
2: I agree
0: with, with how you're explaining it, yeah. Yeah, and it's not even... I mentioned sample size just a few minutes ago, but I kind of want to amend that and saying this is not, you know, just looking at a sample size of the say, 100 or whatever number of players in a tournament you had. This is looking at the top finishing teams that all have Arcanine on them. Yeah, exactly. So, this is saying how good of a Pokemon it is and, you know, it's very difficult to... Well, yeah, it's very difficult to deal with, you know, especially when you're dealing with it every single round, but Everyone should have answers to Arcanine. Definitely. And do you feel like it's one of these Pokemon where if you're not using it, you better have a good reason to? Yeah. A reason not to. Yeah, 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 yeah for yeah. sure. I was
1: talking with uh some friends at the tournament and uh that I had gone to over the weekend and yeah, we were saying how, you know, Arcanine should be on basically every team. Uh but there are, you know, several ways that you can get around it. Like Pokemon like Salamence, Salamence learns fire moves like Flamethrower and completely walls Cartana, because it's going to run a grass move, which can't really hit it, a fighting move that can't really hit it, and occasionally a steel move, but with Salamence's Intimidate, it can normally hang around long enough to take out the Cartana, so... Well... There are Pokemon like Salamence that can deal with it, Talonflame, uh, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah,
2: now that you are you are actually talking about it, Eric Rios ran a really interesting Tapu Koko and Cartana set. He actually ran Skydrop as best Tapu Goko and Swordsman, Spike, Tinum, Z, Cartana, and yes, yes. he could he could actually deal with Tapu Goko, uh, sorry, with Tapu Goko, with, with Arcanine, with that combination, and, I, and I'm personally a big fan of it. Um,
1: back at uh, Collinsville Regionals, when I played against uh, Dane Zeman, who is a uh, player from my region that I'm friends with, uh, he had been using that combo, and he's been using it for a long time, and I think it's a really fun combo, because what do you lead safely into Tapu Koko Kartana? Arcanine is such an easy Pokemon to bring there, but when you can just Sky Drop it and set up a plus one Swords Dance and go for the Fighting Z, which you can't protect from because you're being Sky Dropped, it's just such a strong combo, and then Kartana picks up a Beast Boost, it eliminates its biggest threat in one move, and what do you do from there? It's such a strong combo, and I'm not surprised to hear that Eric used it to win the (laughs) Holobank.
2: I agree, it's definitely really strong. If you guys want, we could actually talk more about um, the cut teams. Yeah, well,
1: uh, actually, two things that I'm looking at right now is, one, there's uh, Double Water in the finalist team <laughs> yes. with Araquanid uh, and Gastrogon. And, uh, you know, that seems like an odd combo, considering, you know, you might redirect your own liquidation. But if I had to just guess, I would say Eric Rios might have had Surf on his Araquanid. Did he end up having Surf?
2: I'm actually not sure because he didn't rebel it. Ah, uh, okay, okay. You know, that's, that's just
1: what I'm guessing, but, uh, and then in the finals, he played against Ninetales Gigalith, which I personally, I'm sorry to trash Tommaso, but I do not like that combo <laughs> at
2: all. I I, just, I do not. <laughs>
1: I don't know about you guys, but yeah, running Ninetales and Gigalith, well, same team, I'm, I don't even
2: know. I can man. actually say to you that he didn't use it. Like, he actually used Ninetales Tails in in, sorry, Ninetales, Tapu Lele, Garchomp, Archer, Angel, Stila, so just five Pokemon in the top cut. Okay. He didn't actually bring Gigalith in the top cat, so yeah. Uh-huh.
0: So, it seems like, while the weathers are contrasting there, it seems like Gigalith, it seems like he didn't have that much for Trick Room, so maybe that's why Gigalith is there, and Ninetales, he also doesn't seem like he have much for Garchomp either, other than Lele. So that might be why Ninetales is there? Yeah,
2: that's actually what I pointed out uh, during my commentary. I thought that it could be an answer against Trick Room. But, could... yeah, I don't know. If you want an answer against Trick Room, wouldn't Snorlax or, I don't know, or, or any other Pokemon be better in that slot, in that slot prior than Gigalith? Since Gigalith and Ninetales, it's kind of awkward to have in the same team.
1: It just, it makes me think back to like, you know, famous team from last format with like two Megas, you know, you're not going to bring them together. And so since these weathers kind of contradict each other, obviously the player is smart enough not to bring both of them at the same time because of how they contradict each other. So, uh, you know, just having those two different modes on your team might be the way that uh, he was going with this, you know, having one weather that helps set up against Trick Room or, Ninetales, you know, able to set up that fast Aurora Veil for games outside of a, an opposing turf room. So uh, maybe just a bit more versatility in there.
2: Yeah, I wish I actually uh, had an interview with him and he could explain me more about his team and why he did actually opt to have Gigalith instead another Pokemon. But sadly, I couldn't. I, couldn't, I, barely, I barely actually dealt with it. With Tommaso.
0: Yeah, but you had mentioned, uh, Poke Alex. any other interesting tidbits from some of the other top teams? Yeah, there
2: was... Um, David's career team was actually really interesting. He had... Uh, Darwin Spore, Follow Me, Whiteguard, Smirgle. So it was... His team was mainly focused on, on setting his Pokémon. He had... Swords Dance, Garchomp, and Drum protect Snorlax, and um, he also had Spex Tapulele and, uh, well, the standard uh, 50% Berry, Arcanine, and Celesteela.
1: Okay. Yeah, it seems like it was a very dangerous kind of tailwind sweep team. It almost plays like a Driflim Lele one, but...
2: If you look at the team, you, you can think that he has no speed control, but... He actually has it. He, he did actually have Baldos in his Arcanine as well.
1: Okay, okay. Which is
2: surprising because it's not as Best, but you can definitely run it on a 50, I don't know, 50% Arcanine. Uh
1: Having the Smeargle there to support Lele and help keep it around a lot longer, I think, is a really dangerous combo. As well as uh, Lele able to reset Tapu Fini and Tapu Koko's Terrain. Those two prevent uh, Smeargle from setting up a Spore. And so that's kind of, I think, why the Lele Miracle combo is there. But also having follow me and wide guard is such a dangerous combo because in pretty much any situation, you can put yourself into a rock, paper, scissors, situ- like a situation between you and your opponent. You know, let's say you're going to lose the game if they go for Earthquake or you're going to lose the game if they go for Poison Jab, but you have the option to pick one of wide guard or follow me. At the very least, you can you can guess correctly and get that right, whereas in situations where you had one or the other, if your opponent had known that, they could just pick the safe option and go for it. And so, it's kind of cool uh, that Smeargle gives you a lot of outs with Spore, Wygaard, Follow Me, and then a speed control option in Tailwinds. It gives you a lot of ways to bring games
2: back. Yeah, exactly. It was definitely super interesting. As I said earlier, it's kind of sad that he actually got disqualified, but I guess it's good for him to actually... Provides his team in, in the future. And... Yeah, yeah, it's a lesson. <laughs> yeah. To <laughs> so be a little bit
1: more careful. Make sure to like... Because that's, I think, a common thing that anyone should do before a tournament. And I recommend it to anyone listening. So, you know, when uh, however you get your Pokemon, you know, once you finish breeding it in-game or if you had somebody uh, get a team for you, you know, just run it on Battlespot because if uh, the team isn't something that you created yourself, you want to make sure that the team is going to work at the tournament and battle spot checks, especially for smaller events, is the very least you can do. Like, if you're going to a Premier challenge or a mid season showdown and it goes on battle spot, that's about all they're going to do at the event there. So, you know, as long as you know what's legal in the format and what goes on to Battle Spot, you should be fine. So uh if he failed a battle spot check, I think it was honestly just a little bit of carelessness and maybe maybe it was a bit of last minute prep and he just didn't have the time to do it, but Always, always, always just run a team through Battlespot. Make sure that you don't run into these kind of issues. Yeah,
2: exactly.
0: Yep, and excellent warning from Lexicon there. But do uh, you guys have any closing thoughts on this special event before we move on to talk about Europe's CP standings?
1: No, I think that's really about all I have to say about it. Uh, fun that they did have a special event, but yeah. Um, I'm ready to talk about some European CP. Yeah, that should be
0: Speaking of uh speaking of special events, I know I think Europe might have a few more or they have had already a few more uh Latin America as well. But I know in North America, well there is another one coming up in Ohio in Columbus, actually being held in the Columbus Convention Center, I forget what the full name was. But where we played uh Nationals last year, they're having a special event at the near the end of June. So uh people are looking to go to a special event and get some more points. Closer to the international time, you know, there's your chance. But we'll talk about that another time. Just pointing that out. Um,
2: there is actually a regional this weekend in Seattle, right?
1: In Seattle? Yes, yeah. There
2: will oh, be yes, one yes. coming up
1: uh, for us in America. Yep, there's uh, the Seattle regional. and
2: That's cool. I think. I'm definitely going to watch it. So
1: I th- and think we have back-to-back weekends of regionals because it will be Seattle and then Madison. That's cool. Are you actually attending? Uh Seattle I will do will not be attending. I'll be I think both Steven and I will be in Madison so in 2 weeks.
0: That's cool. Yes, we will we'll both be in Madison. And I believe you, Europe has a regional that same weekend as Madison because yeah, I saw Birmingham. that. Yeah, we had both stream teams ready to go.
2: Yes, that should be a, a cool weekend of Pokémon. And it should be really interesting how the meta game turns out in both ev- in both events.
1: You know, I'm going to take us on a little bit of a tangent here,
2: uh,
1: but it's just something that, that has been going on on Twitter. Have you guys seen that all the commentators were flown to, like, one location? I think in Seattle. In Seattle, exactly. Did you guys see that, Stephen? Yes, or no? I did see that. <laughs> do you guys know what's up with that? Like, why are all the commentators together for
2: a non-Pokemon event? What are they plotting? I still have no idea. I do know if Stephen knows something about it, but... Stephen, you got anything?
0: I would say... I don't, I don't know definitively anything, but if I were to take a guess, it would have to be something to do with, they were all commentators, They, I think most of them have all done commentary before, officially for them, so I would guess it is a thank you, it is their way of doing an appreciation event for them, you know, coming to let them tour the company, I'm assuming, right, TPCI is based in Seattle, not Bellevue, I think Bellevue is Nintendo's headquarters, yes, yeah, Seattle, Seattle's TPCI, that's my guess at least.
1: My guess was I was thinking they were making promo videos, you know, maybe for like the U.S. International. They have all those videos they make where it's like, meet the commentators. And it's like, oh, I started playing Pokemon back in red and blue and stuff like that. But I don't know. I'm really curious what they were doing. Because I imagine at these coming events, Seattle, uh, Madison, Birmingham, and then the U.S. International, we're going to find out. We're going to figure out what they were doing. But it could just be... Like you had mentioned, a commentator
2: appreciation kind of event. My guess was actually that they could be preparing preparing their their next big events. Since we are we are gonna have the biggest events from from the season now. We're gonna have uh, Madison and Birmingham, which both will be streamed by TPCI. We will have. Uh, the North American International which will be held in Indianapolis and then we'll have the biggest event of the season and the most important one which will be Walls held in Anaheim California so I thought they could be preparing it but I think Stephen could be right but I also think we could be missing something here
0: you know I think I think, PokeGalaxy, you may be onto something here because we've always been wanting to see growth in VGC, growth in the game, seeing more opportunities for people to play and, you know, have all these bigger events and get the game's name out there a little bit more. And maybe this is just a subtle hint that, yeah, you might be right, this might be a subtle hint that something bigger to come in the future. It may not be immediately clear to us now in these coming months, but who knows what could have happened during this event. But it was really cool to see um, Pokemon took the time to fly them out for a retreat, sort of. Definitely. But yeah, uh, that was actually a really cool thing to talk about there.
1: Yeah, I just had saw it, and I, I'm just, I'm dying of curiosity, you know, just, there, there's there gotta be something going on that you have every single commentator that I've, like, ever seen uh, all in one place together, TCG and VGC. It's just super suspicious. Yeah,
2: there were some commentators which... Were not there like Evan, um, Lee, Scott. I believe. Yeah, Scott as well. I actually think I think
1: Dwee was there. I'm pretty sure I saw pictures of Dwee with some people. Yeah, Dwee,
2: but Dewey was there. Yeah,
1: yeah, for sure. There was, um, but yeah. So not everyone was there, but it's still um, almost everyone. Yeah, I, I, I imagine. Content.
0: I imagine that was just due to availability, but otherwise, they had they had their major teams there for what we have yet to discover.
2: <laughs> yes.
0: But anyway, let's move on to the Europe's championship point standings. And Alex, you can probably talk about these players a little bit more and just, you know, what you've seen from everyone playing through this season, who's qualified, um, you know, who's looking good heading into Worlds. Uh, let's just talk about this. So your height are currently near the end of May. Our highest total of points is 1125 going to William Tansley. And then we do have some people qualified just barely crossing over that new 400 mark. So we have roughly 31 players qualified for Worlds from Europe in the Masters Division. Uh, talk about some of the players up here, Alex. Or Pokey, Alex.
2: No worries. Who would you like me to talk uh, to talk about?
1: Maybe just, you know, the leaders in the CP. The leaders? You know, these players that we've been seeing perform well
2: all season long. Okay. So we'll talk... We will first talk about William Tansley, who has been who has been doing really well this season. He start he started uh, getting a top 16 in Liverpool regionals. I don't know if you remember about it, but this was actually the regional which they actually messed up in Europe. We had less than 100 players actually, and they actually they actually ran a Top 52, Top Cat. And, well, it's Kingdom of Oh, yes. Yeah, it's Kingdom of I
0: remember this. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, it's Kingdom Forge for him since he actually lost in Top 16 and he actually finished Swiss with a 6-1 record. So that that would mean uh, Top 8 uh, at the very least. So that, that would have been 100 CP for him, which would mean... Twenty more for him. So, yeah, I actually was one of the players who was the most affected uh, by that regional because I actually uh, finished with a six-one record, and I sadly lost in top uh, thirty-two, and I didn't get in any because the we we couldn't we couldn't fill the wall. Eager for top 52 CP. So that's that was in the set for me. But it's okay. Yeah, that they really did mess up that event. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then we have uh, another regional finish. Which uh, he got top 4 in, in Dortmund. Another event which was in the 2016 season. Uh, so he actually finished really well in the last two events the last two big big events uh, in the two thousand sixteen format and then we have uh, a top thirty two finish which I think was in in Sheffield. Yeah it was in it was in Sheffield actually. He got top top fifty two so in terms of regionals he hasn't done that well in the 2017 format but we'll talk about internationals which he actually has done really well lately he has got two top eights in the 2017 format one was in london where he played extremely well and he played uh, a quite unique team uh, for that for that metagame and uh, yeah he, he did really well in the event. He actually went undefeated in in day two, Swiss, which is actually really impressive. And then in Brazil, he got top eight with a PG version, but this one was was actually featuring uh Toga And yeah, he actually got a top sixteen in in Australia, Melbourne. Which he actually finished sixty at day one Swiss, but he was actually lucky enough to manage to make it in the top 52, since it was actually a top 52 uh, top cut for for day two Swiss, and yeah, he ended up only losing one set in day two, so he was he could manage to make it through the top 16. Which is good for him, and yeah, that that should be it from, for for uh, for William. I don't know if you want to point something out about it, or if you have any question about, uh, about him.
1: No, I think we just want like a, a quick rundown of like what's the, like the highlights of all these players' uh, seasons. Like we saw, uh, like I've seen Ben, you know, perform well at a lot at all the uh, internationals. Uh, Nico Davidiagnala, did he win uh,
2: London? No, correct, he, right? He was not. He was actually, he was actually second. Oh, he was no, he was second in London. Yeah, and second okay. in Melbourne.
0: Yeah, he's he's taken second twice at the international. Yeah,
1: season. exactly. That's yeah, that's a rough uh like uh record to have just two finalist appearances. Uh, it's
2: that's heartbreaking. Yeah, it's definitely heartbreaking, but it's definitely. A really strong performance from here in internationals. He actually got his worst day-to pay trip with two internationals. If you look at our CP leaderboards, because with 800 you are actually logging your day-to invite. Since um, there are some players who are not going to attend the last events, which. Um, it could be crucial for them to actually get that day to pay trip. One of them are Michele Gabelli and Nils danlop So they, they have to pray that Albert Boss and... Yeah, basically Albert Boss doesn't actually overtake him. So one of them could actually miss out on the, on the day to pay trip. But... Um... It's funny that you
1: mentioned that Desu essentially has his uh, paid trip locked down from just two tournaments, yeah. two international performances. Yeah, you know, even though he only got to finals and lost in the finals twice, obviously that is a very strong two finishes from him, and definitely. you know, getting top sixteen guaranteed from like two tournaments—that's ridiculous.
2: Yes, yeah. it's it's definitely a really strong performance from um, Yeah.
1: And then I see Marcus Stotter, who I don't think needs any introduction, a very strong European player um, who uh, has had the World's Invite locked down since he got top four at World. I think he's had the re-invite back, right? uh, Yes. But he'll be paid to go there now with such a strong finish throughout this whole season. Exactly. And then... uh,
0: Not only that, he'll get to go straight to day two. Won't have to play in day one like he did last year.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh man. You might see some repeat performances. Um and then uh Pro Man who uh lost to Ashton in the finals of Brazil, seventh place. I haven't really heard of him, but uh <laughs> we'll talk yeah, about this guy <laughs> with eight hundred and eighty six CP. Um had a I'm guessing a pretty alright season to get that much, but you know, I don't really know where he did it. So you wanna tell us a little bit about him?
2: I, I could do it, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm,
1: ju- I'm just teasing. But uh, what were, what was your major uh, performances this season, you'd say, Alex?
2: I think it was in, in London where I got a uh, top 16 finish. I, yeah, I, yeah, I also got uh, a second place in Sheffield Regionals. Uh, mm-hmm.
1: I would say that uh, top 16 at London is definitely a strong feat considering the format was so fresh then and you were still able to...
2: Create a strong team really early on. Yeah, I also think that I could have done a slightly better if I had, uh, sl- <laughs> if I had had more sleep during more sleep. Yes,
0: Wow.
2: <laughs> 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 yes, I was. Oh no! If if you look at my last set from from London, I was extremely tired, and yeah, I ran out of timer in in game three, which it actually gave him the set, the wall, well, it actually gave it actually gave him that game three if I didn't run out of timer, so, yeah.
1: Oh, yes, yes. I don't
2: know if you remember about it, but...
1: Yeah, yeah, I think I know what you're talking about. Uh, yeah, so, turns out, sleep might be the plan. <laughs> uh,
2: you need a little, you need a dark void for just one more year. <laughs> I actually think, sleep is... <laughs> 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 I actually think... Sleep is actually one of the fa- one of the most important factors involved uh, throughout competing in events. Yeah, yeah. Food is also one of them as well. And food. So just the general
1: like human needs are important to be able to function at a Pokemon tournament. But no, I definitely understand what you uh, are saying. Uh, I was talking to some people over the weekend, and you know, eating at tournaments can be hard just because of nerves.
2: What did you say again? Sorry?
1: Uh, I said, uh, like, eating at tournaments can be hard because of nerves, you know. Oh, yeah. Just, uh, some people aren't able to, uh, like, during those lunch breaks, actually get any food down because they're feeling so sick in their stomach from competing.
0: Yeah. See, I, n- I know you – I don't understand
1: nah, your half. You you've been competing for years, Steven. And, I mean,
0: you know, I'm, on, I'm on the other side. I can eat whatever. <laughs> I'm a big guy too, so uh, <laughs> that makes sense. But it's just – it's weird to me seeing that from uh, – you know, someone like someone like you, I know you're like that too.
1: Yeah, you've known that about me, but uh I yeah. Alex, how about you? Do you uh have trouble eating because of nerves at tournaments occasionally?
2: I actually had trouble, but I don't have I don't I don't have it anymore. Thankfully. Oh, oh nice.
1: Aha.
0: Uh-huh. So see you've gotten used yes. to it. You have all the experience now. Yes.
1: <laughs> well, you are quite the veteran player, so it's understandable, but uh Steven always does tease me about it, but thankfully his mom will normally share some food and uh i can get something done. that's that's great shout outs to steven's mom but uh nice let's see i think that's really oh wait no we have to talk about the uh the next thing that i kind of wanted to hear from alex about which is uh something steven uh wanted to bring up which is uh the location of worlds oh. uh we had talked Stephen to... steven teased about it earlier how we were going to get to it so i think we should talk about it uh worlds is almost always in or yeah it's always in North America not always in the US cuz it has been in Canada before but it's uh always in the nor- in the North American continent and so that does give an advantage to the US and Canada players uh and so Alex what are your thoughts on this
2: while I would love to have worlds in in another country I definitely like walls being held in in North America since well I'm personally a big fan of America I really like it and yeah I have I have had a great time when I when I have been in in the United States and I also had a great time in Canada I actually think it was the greatest time I have I have ever had in, in walls so that's cool. I I would love to be back in Vancouver. It was a really cool wolf um for me. At least I don't know if it was cool for you guys. If you did actually enjoy well, it.
1: Stephen was there. What did you think of Vancouver World, Stephen?
0: I really liked it. I liked the location. I liked you know we were right along. Uh, I don't remember what the bay was between the area there, but it was very nice location. I liked the venue too. Uh, that was a good time. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Like Vancouver was really good.
2: Yeah, um, I wouldn't mind to change the location for walls. I wouldn't like to have it in Europe, uh, since personally for me, it's easier to actually access a, an Europe city, while it's not that easier for me to actually uh, have access to to a city located in the United States or, or Canada.
1: I guess that's kind of fun for you. Every year uh, that you qualify for Worlds, you get to travel to another country to a location that you really haven't been to po- before. Whereas uh, players like Steven and I, when we make it to Worlds, we are just traveling around the US, our home country. And there are places that we could realistically go to on our own if we uh, had the interest, but uh, and while you could too, it gives you more of an excuse to visit another a country, which is kind of fun. Yeah, definitely.
0: Personally, for me, um, what is it? Ho- other than Hawaii and Vancouver, every other Worlds location I've been to, I'd already been to previously before worlds had happened. So there wasn't, not like this, uh, you know, visit, visitation factor of seeing something new. But, uh, Pokey Alex has also had been, I think you've been do- very skilled enough each year to, Receive paid trips and invites to worlds without having to worry about costs, like some other players had to. So uh, I feel like that might also be a little bit biased there too, as well.
1: Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> no,
0: but I'm, but Alex, uh, Poke Alex is very good. So yeah,
1: yes, yes.
2: Well,
0: it's helping there.
1: He earns it. He earns it definitely.
2: I, I was actually a senior when I, I actually qualified for my world for my first worlds, which was held in Hawaii. Yeah, Hawaii was actually amazing as well. Yeah, since I was really younger, well, I was really young. I had I had a really great time as well. Well, I think everyone who who has been in Hawaii has had a, a great time. Since Hawaii is definitely beautiful.
0: Absolutely, and yeah, I just you know you think about um, think about from the company's perspective of. Where they choose to hold worlds, you know, it's probably it's probably most cost effective for them to keep it within the country or at least the continent. Uh, always gotta always have to say continent now because of Vancouver that you one year. But, yeah,
1: yeah. One <laughs> yeah, it's it's
0: more co- it's more cost effective for them to keep it here. You know, uh, it probably costs less for them to fly out staff, their materials, supplies, hiring camera crews and just set up and security and everything and hotel costs so you know a lot of different reasons going into it um do we ever think we'll get an event outside the country or worlds outside the country
1: uh i'm gonna say that i personally don't think they will but just we'll we'll have to see how long vgc stays around for yeah i I personally agree with alex
2: but well lexicon sorry
1: (laughs) <laughs> well, when we we're talking to each other, I think it's pretty clear that Steven's not. Yeah, Alex, so.
2: <laughs> but let's hope not. <laughs> no, but
1: but anyway, go
2: on. Yeah, I don't think it, there will be a walls outside North America, but I would love to have walls located in Japan. I think I think they deserve it personally, since they have a, I think they have the biggest community from from the uh, from Pokémon so I think it would be cool to have uh walls located in in Japan.
1: Mhm. Mm-hmm. That is a good point that you bring up. How cool would that be?
2: I would love it. And I personally would attend either if I got a walls invite or not.
1: That's yeah, that's cool. I think it would be great even as a spectator to go there. Yeah. Oh man, do they like speak English there though like at all because I know Europe English might be a little bit more popular I don't know about Japan I feel like I would just get lost it'd be dangerous
2: <laughs> because you, you just don't speak Japanese
1: no I don't speak Japanese and so I, I would probably make it to Japan and then just never escape because I'd just be lost <laughs>
2: <laughs> I don't think you will Would you could you could be lost at some point but that's it
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm i just exaggerating, but uh, I think it would be a great... Uh, that's a good point you bring up, though. It would be a lot of fun to go to Japan considering uh, how passionate they are about playing Pokemon competitively.
0: Yeah, the, as if they need home field advantage more, you oh, know, <laughs> they, would, they would wipe the floor with us if their worlds were held with their... Hypothetically speaking, of course, but mm-hmm. we'll mm-hmm. never know because we haven't had worlds in Japan yet. But here's to hoping. Definitely. Alright, but but do you guys have any other closing thoughts on anything else we've talked about today? No, I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so either. All right. So thank you so much to Alex Gomez for being on the show. You're our very first European guest. So thank you very much to you. Thank you so much for being on.
2: Thank you very much to you guys. It was definitely a pleasure a pleasure to be with, to be with you. And I would love to be here with you again. And yeah, thanks a lot. And that should be it for me unless for today. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you. So with that, uh, you can find our show on iTunes. You can leave us a review there. You can also download the show from there as well. We have an email where you can send us feedback or questions. That is VGC at at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. What you think of the show? Or if you have anything you'd like for us to talk about on here. Um, lastly, we're all on. We're also all on Twitter. Alex Gomez, where can people find you there?
2: Oh, they could find me, they could find me as Pogales basically. So yeah, that should be it. Okay. Okay.
0: Okay, and for Alex Underhair, people can find you uh, at Lexicon
1: VGC and Steven, we can all follow you at
0: I am at Super Morioka. Thank you so much for listening to the show. We hope you've enjoyed it and stay tuned for more.